The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins One sentence summary The selfish gene explains the process of evolution in biology using genes as its basic unit, showing how they manifest in the form of organisms, what they do to ensure their own survival, how they program our brains, which strategies have worked best throughout history, and what makes humans so special in this context. My favorite quote from the author is, Let us understand what our own selfish genes are up to, because we may then at least have the chance to upset their designs, something that no other species has ever aspired to do. Richard Dawkins This book is one of Ty Lopez's all-time favorites. I remember seeing it sit close to the top of his book list. He kept talking about it in the first version of his 67 Steps as well. I considered getting it, but thought it was really complicated at the time, so I've been putting it off for way too long. I loved biology in high school. It's one of the subjects I majored in, and I'm really happy that Blinkist made this book more accessible to me. Originally published in 1976, this book argues that genes are the basic unit of evolution, not individual organisms or even species. Due to their naturally selfish behavior, genes merely use organisms as mechanisms to ensure their own survival. Different body features, behaviors, and even altruistic actions are nothing but tools for them. And yet, sometimes animals and humans escape this disillusioning picture. Here are three lessons from the selfish gene that'll show you we might not be that selfish after all. 1. Sometimes, mutually altruistic behaviors benefit the genes of two different organisms. 2. Humans have managed to splice off culture with its own evolutionary process. 3. Our ability to simulate and foresee allows us to overcome the downside of our selfish genes. Are you ready for a trip down Darwin Lane? Let's stroll along the path of evolution. The Selfish Gene, Lesson 1 Even though mutually altruistic behavior is atypical, it can sometimes benefit the genes of two different organisms. This answers the question, how can we explain altruistic behavior biologically? Because genes are selfish, a lot of the relationships among organisms in nature end up being so-called zero-sum games. There is always one clear winner and one clear loser. When a hawk chases a dove, either the dove ends up getting eaten or the hawk starves. In a non-zero-sum game though, both parties can team up against a third party, which can be nature itself, for example, to create a win-win situation. For example, if you and your friends are clients at the same bank, and the bank makes an individual offer to both of you for a great set of stock tips, but wants to charge $5,000, then just one of you could take the offer and you split the cost, instead of paying $5,000 each for the same set of tips. Sometimes, this kind of thinking pays off in nature too. For example, ants milk little insects called aphids, because the sweet secretions they produce are nourishing. In exchange, Aphids benefit from having strong fighters like the ants around to protect them. The ants even take baby aphids in custody, inside their anthills, to raise and protect them from predators. So while the selfish motives of the genes of each species stay the same, sometimes mutual altruism leads to the best result. The Selfish Gene Lesson 2 We've spliced off the element of culture and given it its own evolutionary cycle. 
This answers the question, where other than biology can we see evolutionary processes? Humans are special. We've evolved far beyond the instinctive survival thinking our genes originally drove us towards. For example, something as complex and various as human culture, which includes things like language, religion, fashion, art, customs, diet, and so on, cannot possibly be the result of genes striving for survival. Instead, culture can be seen as a spin-off, separate from biology, created by humans, and that relies on the same evolutionary principles. Just like the gene is the basic element of biological evolution, a meme is the basic element of culture. Since genes can be copied across organisms, they are near immortal, and memes are the same, the smallest unit of culture that has a chance of being immortal. For example, a certain melody, a powerful idea, or even a video. Memes also compete, in their case for human attention and memory. If a meme is forgotten, it dies. So like genes, memes cooperate to form complex entities similar to organisms. For example, the Catholic Church is a huge set of memes, such as certain ideas, rituals, behaviors, clothes, and architectural styles, all centered around the meme of God. This explains how ideas like celibacy, the practice of abstaining from marriage and sex, can survive. It's counterintuitive to the selfishness of genes. But as long as the idea survives in the evolutionary system of culture, by being part of an entity like the church, this meme is considered a success. The Selfish Gene Lesson 3 Humanity can overcome the downsides of selfish genes thanks to simulation and foresight. This answers the question, how can humans deal with the disadvantages of selfish genes? While mutual altruism can sometimes have short-term benefits for the lifespan of individual organisms, it's usually still based on selfish intentions. In a few cases, though, an even better solution would be to abandon our immediate survival interests altogether and cooperate for the long term. For example, in the example of the hawk versus the dove above, where doves always try to flee and hawks always attack until they win or are seriously injured, something called a conspiracy of doves could increase the survival for both species in the long run. If all animals in the population agreed to act like doves, then they could live in peace and without harm alongside each other. The hawks would just eat the doves that are sick or about to die anyway and avoid injury. The doves wouldn't have to worry about being hunted down all the time, and both of them could reproduce. Genes aren't conscious. They can't foresee and simulate the future like we can. So they can never choose a conspiracy of doves scenario. But we can. By abandoning our selfish motives and splicing off from biology like we have done with culture, we can do what is best for the survival of the human species in the long run. My personal takeaways from the selfish gene for 2017. Okay, I know this was a very complicated summary. Let me actually try to sum up the statements in, in one sentence or two, because I think this is a really complicated book, very complicated ideas. Even for me, not very easy to wrap my head around, and um, I've spent some time with this stuff. So the first idea of the idea of the first lesson was that sometimes organisms for example animals they will help each other against nature to survive um, like in a symbiosis for example there's these little fish that 
swim into a shark's mouth and clean the shark's teeth, and for them it's food. So this is a win-win situation for the shark and the little fish, and they both survive longer in their fight against nature. So that, of course, comes with short-term benefits. We all know that. Um, the second part is that not just there's not just an evolutionary process going on with the genes themselves, but there's evolutionary processes in different systems going on. For example, um, the economy is another evolutionary system, right? Where it builds upon itself, and when there's a failure, parts of the system die and are replaced by other parts, and so on and so forth. So there's not just the the, biolo the biological evolutionary process, the one of the genes that is struggling to move forward, but also evolutionary processes in other spheres of life. And that sometimes means that the genes have to dial back a little. And for the last lesson is that one of the best things we as humans do is we simulate the future. So when you look at a stove and the stove is on and you can see that one of the, uh, one of the parts of the stove is hot, then you can say... You can simulate into the future. If you put your hand on the hot stove, you would get hurt. So what do you do? You don't put your hand on the stove. You know what will happen in advance. And no other species can do this. And even genes can't do this. So genes have to find out what works and what doesn't by trial and error. And um, Warren Buffett once uh, talked about the simulating capacity and said, well, we wouldn't be here without it because if we couldn't simulate that, hmm, the lion looks hungry, it might eat us if we don't run away, then we never would have gotten to this point. And he says, the the people who will succeed the most in society will end up being the best simulators. Because if you can simulate the future better than other people, then you can adjust your actions to take the best, you know, path of action, the best course. So that's how, for example, you can quote-unquote see which stocks are hot or make stock predictions and things of that nature. Um, but it also helps us survive as a species altogether because we could do something that might be contrary to evolution to our own survival for, for individual human beings but will actually be a very big step forward for the survival of humans as a species and speaking of that I think the best person to turn to or learn more about if you're interested in the survival of the human species in the long run is Elon Musk Elon Musk is... Uh, the CEO of Tesla, CEO of SpaceX, uh, CEO of SolarCity, which is being merged with Tesla right now. And he has the plan to, I think by 2022, uh, put people on Mars, or, or at least be able to get to Mars with a rocket. So, very interesting. Um, he, uh, if you look at interviews with him, there's one by Y Combinator, you can find it on YouTube, it's very interesting how he thinks and how he came to the conclusion that space exploration is a problem that he needs to solve and why that's the best shot of humans surviving in the long run and what we can do when Earth is filled up and so on. Um, so he's a good guy to look at that um, if you're interested in learning more about this process. And another thing I would encourage you to check out is Planet Earth. Uh, it's a documentary series. There was Planet Earth 1 and then I think last year or so Planet Earth 2 was released or even just this year. Um, a follow-up great documentary series has different themes, jungle, cities, and so on. And what you can see there is very counterintuitive animal behavior. So there, you will see something like fish eating doves in the city or hawks hunting doves in the city. And it's funny to see how nature adapts to these different situations and these different 
interruptions we as humans create. So very interesting. So two things worth checking out if you're interested in learning more about evolution. I hope these blinks were a little spice of, of different uh, input into your day and see you in the next summary.